I mean, I think it's so poignant in the book where she really talks about how the act of giving has already been completed. Mm -hmm. The person thought of you, they gave the gift, and they would never want this gift to be a burden. It was actually really funny. I had a client recently that we were going through, and there was she was she had a whole section in this room that we were going through that was gifts that she intended to give to other Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. she was procrastinating on this section for a really long time, and then I realized that. I had known this client for so long in our previous life that there were probably things in that pile that I had given her that she was going to be re-gifting <laughs> and she didn't want me to see it. So I finally said to her, you know, there's I there's probably going to be things in here that I've given you and this is an excellent opportunity for you in front mm-hmm. of me to thank this object for whatever joy that it gave you in the moment and to pass it along. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Today, we're going to talk about holiday joy how to declutter one of the most joyful times and seasons of the year that can sometimes feel like one of the most stressful. Today, our guest is Amanda Jefferson. She's a certified Kamari consultant from the Western suburbs of Philadelphia. She's going to help us figure out how to declutter and make the most of our holiday. After a successful 20-year career in academia, corporations, and nonprofit leadership, Amanda now channels her passion for helping others by creating homes that are peaceful, stress-free, and efficient. Welcome to Spark Joy, Amanda. Hi, thanks for having me. Welcome, Amanda. We're so happy you're here. Absolutely. Thanks. So first question, when we have KonMari consultants on SparkJoy, we like to start with a moment of reflection. Do you remember the first time you were introduced to the KonMari method and what led you down the path to moving from a super fan to a certified KonMari consultant? Yeah. So I was actually in the middle of a midlife crisis. Uh, but the great thing about a midlife crisis is that you get to give it any name that you want. So I was lovingly calling my midlife crisis, my creative renaissance. <laughs> and I, <laughs> Love it. it's very important to, to have the French accent. There. <laughs> uh, so I was head of a nonprofit at the time. I loved the work. It was incredibly rewarding, but it was also very stressful. Mm-hmm. So I knew I needed a change. I was wasn't really sure what to do. Um, I had read Marie's book uh, years before, hadn't done the tidying work yet, but it was always in the back of my mind as something so incredibly interesting. So it's really funny when I look back at it now because we, all, we would always do these team building activities at work and they would always ask, if you weren't doing what you were doing now, what would you be doing instead? And I would always sort of jokingly say, oh, I'd be a professional organizer. I would help people organize their their lives. And it's funny, like in my most stressful days at work, what I would do would like dis- I would like disappear into like the supply closet and like organize it. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know, here I am. I went to Marie's first training in August 2016 in New York. So I was in the inaugural class, which was mm-hmm. a ton of fun. I left my job in March of this year and I am happier than I've ever been. So never looking back. Here I am. 
Oh, that's so great. What a great story. So can you recall the aspects of your own personal tidying experience that were either super joyful or super challenging? Was there a moment when you really hit a wall that you found to be kind of a turning point for you as far as your own personal tidying? Yeah, I would say paper was really hard for me. Clothing was Mm -hmm. a total blast. I just coasted right through that. I took like so many after pictures. I I just loved it. Books were really, really easy. Um, And then paper, it just like I remember the part of the book where she talks about getting under the covers and wanting to disappear and like Mm -hmm. wanting like by the time she came out wanting it all to just be gone. (laughs) Like I just I think I might have actually gotten under the covers. (laughs) So I I also decided to make the shift to digitize all my papers at that time. So it kind of felt like double the amount of work. Uh, So paper was definitely a tough category for me. So I definitely empathize with my clients who also feel that as a, as a challenge and really try to impart on them kind of the tricks and tips that work for me. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a great topic paper because I, I think I certainly found it to be the most tedious. Mm. And I think I, I think I can, my clients also express, you know, that it's just really a challenging category. So I'm glad we're going to get a chance to talk about that a little bit. For sure. Yeah. And also with paper, it's, it's not like, um, you know, your, your bank statement sparks joy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not as fun to deal with uh, as other things. Right. It's more of a like utilitarian thing. The reason why we keep paper I means some, some fun things come around like journals or writings and artwork. Um, usually that's uh, shifted on over to sentimental because sometimes that can halt project progress. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's paper keeps coming up as something that our listeners as well as our clients really struggle with. And it's not like we can stop purchasing paper, right? It's, it's kind of just a reality. It, it continues mm. to enter mm-hmm. our home um, even after we declutter. So uh, we'll definitely loop back and talk about paper later. And before we jump in, I just wanted to... Uh, take a step back and talk a little bit about your background because I find it very interesting that you have experience in in uh, academic s- s- uh, institutions and corporations and nonprofit. That's uh, really cool. And, and I find that, you know, when I went to the training just in San Francisco, there were many consultant trainees there who have different perspectives you know, we're, ha- we're coming from different careers. Uh, mm-hmm. I met a doula, uh, a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think that's so interesting about our our consultant community. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I have an engineering and interior design background, and Karen has a background in psychotherapy. So we all mm-hmm. bring different perspectives to the table. So I'd love for you to uh, tell us a little bit ha- about how you connect the dots and how you kind of uh, tie that experience into your practice with clients. Yeah, absolutely. I totally mm-hmm. agree. I remember sitting there at my table surrounded by people that had the most fascinating careers. Yeah. And um, I really felt like I had kind of found my tribe. It was really great. You know, I, it's interesting. As I look back, I'd say the one thread through my entire career, uh, or two threads really, were were one, I was always really focused on helping people. My career has always been focused on social impact, Mm -hmm. um, whether I was Mm -hmm. working at Wharton, whether I was working in international development. um, It was always, and of course, the nonprofit that I was heading up in Philadelphia for six years. But it was also focused on making things more efficient. I think I drove 
all of my bosses and coworkers crazy because I was always trying to find the most efficient way to do something and how not to reinvent the wheel. So I was always very fascinated by systems and processes and, and operations. And I think, um, being a working mom, you know, my daughter's five. So the six years that I worked at the nonprofit coincided, the most stressful job of my mm. life coincided with the first five years of my daughter's life. So as any parent knows, is a really stressful time. And so yeah. for me, I was really realizing that having a home that runs efficiently is really the difference between sanity and total burnout for a lot of people. And so a lot of the families that I was talking with at the time, I was really kind of realizing, um, you know, that's a real kind of crisis point for a lot of people. So I was also really fascinated by concepts. I've always been fascinated by positive psychology, social psychology, energy management, time management. So gurus like Tony Schwartz and Gretchen Rubin and the Heath brothers, like when you talk about, you know, tidying books, there was basically like 13 books that survived in my life. And uh, those <laughs> were written by those types of people that were all focused on, um, I think it might have been Gretchen Rubin that said, like, the way you live your days is the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been fascinated by that. So my career has always really been focused on improving people's lives. And now it's very much focused on improving people's daily lives and their habits. And mm -hmm. so now I get to do it in a much more sort of hands-on, intimate way. That's beautiful. So when we um, talk about embracing the idea that less is actually more here at Spark Joy, um, we talk about how it applies to the clutter in our lives. And this can feel really counterintuitive because societal norms focus on stuffing more things to do into our days. And especially as a busy professional, I know that you experience this a lot and consuming more to feel fulfilled, you know, how much you know, what other item can we buy to feel happy or successful? Mm. One of the things that, that we love about the work that you do is um, the four Ds. And, and we want to talk today about how to apply the four Ds um, to the holidays. So we'd love to hear more about this concept, this, this, um, this, um, this method that you've developed and how, how we can apply it to not only our day-to-day -day lives, but also, um, uh, use the holidays in, as an example for its application. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And the 40s, it's actually not something I developed. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's been around in different iterations. And um, so I don't want to take credit for that, but I definitely want to be a disciple of it and spreading the word around as much as I can. I mean, I think, um, you know, one of my favorite social psychologists is a guy named Adam Grant. He was a professor I got to know at my time during working at Wharton. And he he has this phrase that I love that's called doubt the default. And I think because our society is so wrapped up in this period of overwhelm and more and more and more and more things and more stuff and doing more things, I always really love the phrase doubt the default. It's almost kind of like if your friends think you're crazy, you're doing something mm -hmm. right. <laughs> because mm -hmm. I'm really all about helping my clients to slow down and to have less. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, doubting the default today. And one of my other favorite, you know, time management gurus who's 
helping people figure out how to live life in a simpler and more intentional way, Leo Balbuda, he says, it's not about getting more done. It's about having less to do. So my favorite tool that I teach to my clients is this tool called the four D's and I share it a lot in my speaking engagements too. So, um, you know, as I said, it's been around for a while. It's not something that I invented, but it's super essential to eliminating the overwhelm. So the four D's are delegate, defer, diminish, and delete. So I can walk you through a little bit kind of what each of those are. So for example, um, delegate. If, during the holiday season, maybe def, uh, you know switch to having grocery delivery so that you're not running around to the grocery store trying to get all these holiday meals together. Or another way is make all your holiday meals potluck where you only make one thing mm-hmm. and you just delegate the whole meal to everybody. Um, defer. And the great thing about delegate too is that it could be a person that you're delegating to, but it could mm-hmm. also be a tool. So in the case of Peapod or grocery delivery, delegate it to a service or a tool. Um, so defer. Some people love sending holiday cards, but it's really difficult to do it during the actual holiday season. So send New Year's cards. After Mm -hmm. all the holidays have died down, send a New Year's card instead and yours will be a little surprise in the mailbox when no one was expecting it. Mm -hmm. Diminish. This is my favorite one because it's all about doing the same thing, but doing less. So for example, in my consulting days, it was always so funny. We would spend two months on a 125-page proposal that might get lukewarm results. And sometimes we would slap together a two-page proposal and we would win the project. So it's about doing less and oftentimes getting the same results. So in the case of diminish, you know, don't go all out with holiday decor. Don't spend hundreds of dollars. Pick a beautiful wreath that's absolutely stunning. Set the white lights on timer, delegate that out and just forget about it. Um, so that's an example of diminish, do less and then delete. So an example, an example of that is in our family, we've actually decided that we don't exchange gifts among adults. We only buy gifts for the children in the family. And that has been enormous because nobody ends up with the ugly socks. <laughs> nobody ends up with, you know, the craziness of trying to figure out. Because the thing is, is that adults today, like if we need something, mm-hmm. we buy it. So, you know, you don't necessarily need gifts for each other. And then we can kind of pour our energy and our fun into, into, um, giving for the kids. So it's a, this, so this 4Ds is something I recommend all year round, but it's especially helpful during the holidays. So I did send you guys that special treat that you can share with your listeners. It's a worksheet, um, where you can actually start to decide what sparks joy during the holidays. And if it doesn't spark joy, how can you think about applying the 4Ds? so that you can, um, you know, do less and spark a lot more joy. Wow. So, and the worksheet is super great and can't wait to pass it on to our listeners. Um, I, I really love what you had to say about taking a look at what you can, um, choose to do differently. I know that, um, as someone who has their own business, I try to look at tasks that need to be done in my personal life in the same way that I look at tasks that I need to do with my work. How much is my time worth? And 
is the value to be had by delegating it out. I mean, the classic example is having somebody do the laundry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very time-consuming task. Um, of course, I always say folding for myself because I get so much joy from doing folding. But when it comes to actually doing the washing and drying, is it more cost-effective in not only um, practical terms uh, as far as the value of the time that I been doing it, but also in in terms of how much um, how much relief will I experience stress and anxiety wise if I if I don't worry about making time for this and I, instead I allow someone else to do that task for me. So I think that's such a valuable way of looking at things. What is the benefit? What is the cost benefit um, analysis for this thing? And at no time does this apply more obviously than at the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. I think our default and our culture is consumerism. We associate that with the holidays. So this is very interesting. It's causing us to kind of take a step back and be more mindful, which is totally the Kunmari way. And I love your worksheet, Mm -hmm. getting from stress to joy with the four D's because it, the first step with your worksheet is to just get the thoughts down. What is it that you have to do? And then you can apply the four D's. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I've kind of pre-filled the worksheet with some typical activities that happen mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. each section. So, um, and just a disclaimer, I uh, celebrate Christmas. So, you know, I know people celebrate all kinds of different holidays. So the things that you see pre-populated there are more, a little bit more Christmas related, but there's tons of extra space for you to add your own things. And I think what's really great too is that in mean, the holidays are mm-hmm. such a beautiful time. There's mm-hmm. so many things during the holidays that spark joy. So even even on that list, I pre-populated with things like, uh, you know, drinking hot cocoa while sitting by the fire or picking out the perfect holiday tree or whatever it is. So I think it's really important in the worksheet to not just list all the things that might feel like holiday drudgery, but mm-hmm. actually list the things that you really yeah. like to do so that you can make sure that those rise to the surface. That's awesome. Piling up what you need to do and selecting and putting your attention on what sparks joy. That's beautiful. Absolutely. For sure. Well, and we also live in such a great time because there really are so many alternatives. I mean, there are so many people, there's so many services that you can find who can do some of the work. Um, and not too long ago, that just wasn't possible. We, we, I think I, I, over the weekend, I heard someone talking about uh, the gig economy. Mm. Um, there's so many services now that can do these kind of things for, for us, which, you know, it's, it's really ties in with having some of these things done and, and, um, essentially, um, farming them out to, to others who are, who can, who have the time and, and, and maybe it's part of their business model to do these things. Yeah. And so, yeah. Opening up space to essentially acknowledge Mm -hmm. and focus on experiences and the reason for the season rather than you trying to do each and every little thing ourselves. Yeah. And I think it opens up opportunities for real honest conversation with family too. You know, my mom is from the South and so the Mm -hmm. default there is you host a big dinner and you do all the cooking and you know when the meal is done the men go relax in the living room the women go clean up in the kitchen and like it's like doubt the default you know I think you can have a really honest conversation with the family to say I love you guys so much my favorite thing about the holidays is spending time with you and that's exactly why I want this to be a potluck dinner and everybody's going to have a job to do and we're all going to pitch in together and Mm -hmm. we're going to enjoy the holidays together so I think it really provides an opportunity to have 
have, you know, honest conversations with people too, which is great. Yeah. My favorite year of celebrating Christmas was when my family, we were all gathering and decided, I guess around Thanksgiving, that instead of doing traditional gift giving, we were going to, you know, do kind of the, you know, put names in a hat and everyone select someone. And so mm. we only buy gifts for one particular person and we all stay within under uh, $100. Uh, and I love that idea because it makes you really, you know, think about that person, what they like, what they don't like, and be really intentional about the gifts. And I remember I got so, so excited making everything so special. And um, mm-hmm. people call me the, the gifter uh, because... <laughs> I have made, made people cry um, when I uh, give gifts sometimes. So I do take it quite yeah. seriously. It sparks Aww. joy for me to give gifts. Um, but at the same time now, I, it's not about the quantity necessarily. And I like that having that those boundaries of like how much we can spend and everything. Mm-hmm. It, it puts less attention in, on how many gifts someone is getting versus, you know, one good quality gift, um, for example, um, or a couple you know, really thoughtful gifts. Um, so, mm-hmm. so I love that this, this is also really supporting, supporting that idea and just, uh, for us to be less stressful and more mindful, um, over the holidays. So I love it. Yeah. I love that idea too. And, um, I, I cringe a little bit when people do kind of like those gag gifts mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. holidays too, where they, you know, the secret Santa and you buy the gag gifts. Cause I'm like, no, <laughs> no more junk in the world. You right. know? So I love it when those systems are used for really meaningful gifts versus kind of right. like the funny joke gifts. Yeah. Wow. And that's such a good point because those joke gifts and things that are kind of just given for the sake of having something to give someone, those are the things that when I think of yes. kind of post-Christmas clutter, it's like yes. post-holiday clutter, it's like, what do you do with that stuff? That's the stuff that ends up getting stuck in the closet. Yes. And then a year or two later or five years or 10 years later, you, you know, there's still that, well, it was a gift. So I can't just give it away, even though I've never used it. So it's, I completely agree that being more thoughtful about the stuff that we give and giving fewer, fewer better things is really um, neat. Although I don't know that that's ever going to stop. Um, I know. <laughs> it, well, there's the classic office party where everyone yes. gives, um, you know, something kind of silly and fun. But I guess that's part of the fun of the holidays too. But yeah. And Kamari teaches us though that you can you can you can safely and happily and with confidence give those things a new home when you're done with them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All those gag gifts are the things that we you know, help clients get out of their home. Right? Right? That's what they turn I know, into. Me, I know. It makes me want to send a memo to my clients yeah. now. Like, just, just say no to gag gifts this year. I don't want to be decluttering those. <laughs> Amanda, do you have any other tips uh, for those who are struggling with what, what to do with the gift that they don't necessarily doesn't spark joy for them. How, how did they process that during the holidays? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I mean, I think it's so poignant um, in the book where she really talks about how the act of giving has already been completed. Mm-hmm. The person thought of you, they gave the gift and they would never want this gift to be a burden. It was actually really funny. I had a client recently that we were going through and there was, she was, she had a whole section in this room that we were going through that was gifts that she intended to give to other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was procrastinating on this section for a really long time. And then I realized that 
I had known this client for so long in our previous life that there were probably things in that pile that I had given her that she was going to be re-gifting <laughs> and she didn't want me to see it. So I finally said to her, you know, there's I there's probably going to be things in here that I've given you and this is an excellent opportunity for you in front mm-hmm. of me to thank this object for whatever joy that it gave you in the moment and to pass it along. And so that was really, you know, hard for her to actually like let go of something that I had given her right wow. in front of me. Um, but yeah, I think um, I, I, I see people experience such relief when they are able to catch on to that concept and really let go of things. Um, I had a client last week, um, a guy who was unpacking shirts that were still in the box from Christmas from last year with the pins and the, you know, lapel stuff in mm-hmm. it and everything. And he was so relieved to let those go. <laughs> That's so great. Those are, those are great stories. And I, I I think that this year for the holidays, I'm going to include a little note in everything that I give that says, you have my permission to to give this thing off to its new life as soon as you are done with it. <laughs> great idea. <laughs> yes, I love that. Well, uh, I think we are better prepared for the holiday. I mean, that is great tips, but we don't want to leave you without talking a little bit more about paper management because we know that that's one of your specialties. So, uh, Mm. well, yeah, how do you apply this whole idea of less is more and we want to live a simpler life uh, to to paper? How do you help your clients Mm. get that under control? Yeah. So I think especially for moms, paper management is super tough. My daughter just started kindergarten and like the influx of papers coming in every day is insane. The things I need Mm. to sign, the things I need to save, the, you know, the money I need to send in in the special envelope. So since it was the toughest category for me, um, you know, I definitely empathize. So I tell people to make it really simple. And I basically say you really only need to have three tools. So one is, is folders. So I recommend only having two folders, one that's labeled bills and one that's labeled needs attention. And even though I'm all for repurposing and use what you have, and people might say I have a couple old little folders laying around, I really recommend going out and buying folders that spark joy. So Staples is my favorite option for those folders. They've got lots of different styles. And um, especially because you you are probably going to be storing those folders vertically. They might be like in a really pretty basket that you're going to see as soon as you walk into your kitchen, you want them to be really pretty. So um, really those only two folders and separating them out into bills so that the things that truly, I mean, these days, most bills are automated, which is great, but you still do have, you know, the magazine subscription or a medical bill or something like that, that might need to come in. So you put that in bills and then, and then your needs attention. And then the second is really your phone uh, as a scanner. So Evernote, Dropbox, Google Drive, those are all apps that you're able to scan into. Um, and they're really great because you can scan right in. Um, a lot of times they're in searchable PDFs. Like the, the, the scanners are so good on these things that it will actually scan a receipt. So if you're trying to find a receipt of a folder that you bought at Staples, you can type in Staples folder and it'll pop that receipt up for you. So it's really great. Um, so I really recommend scanning too, because I think there should be a very, very high bar for an actual piece of paper that stays in your home. Mm-hmm. So the point of the needs attention folder is to give it the attention that it needs. And then 
you know, scan it or shred it or do whatever you need. And then the third is the third tool is the shredder. So, you know, shredders are really inexpensive. Go out and buy a shredder, have it be close to the place that you go through your papers. But if you don't want to invest in a shredder, if you live in a small apartment, um, there's great shredding services. Like I just uh, brought in an entire trash can full, like a, you know, the kind you roll out to the street, enormous trash mm-hmm. can, and the shredding service shredded it for $35. So you could just keep a box that's labeled shred once a quarter, take it to a shredding service for $35. So that's it. I really recommend those three things. Your two folders, your phone as a scanner, and the shredder or a shredding box. And that really kind of should set you on your way to be in really good shape with managing that's papers. That's great. That's so great. What do you say to clients who um, have a lot of paper ambivalence? So, for example, they have a lot of a lot of paper that they feel maybe it's kind of important, or um, maybe it is important, but no, or or maybe it's just a piece of paper that they're having a hard time letting go of, and it, their thought process goes to it's just one piece of paper. What mm-hmm. difference can it make? And I think that's one of the things that's so frustrating about this category is that. It is just one piece of paper times a thousand. Mm-hmm. And I, I, sometimes I think it gets really difficult for, for clients or for any of us to really think in terms of, yes, it's one piece of paper, but, um, where, where am I drawing that line? How am mm-hmm. I establishing my own criteria? Because as we just talked about, paper does not necessarily spark joy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's more a matter of its usefulness. How do you work with clients and kind of drawing that distinction between what's a, what's a piece of paper to be kept and what's not? Yeah. I mean, I really always try to go back to the question of what is the action associated with this piece of paper? So Mm -hmm. I did a really fun workshop recently where I actually asked people on your way out the door to this workshop, grab a stack of papers off of your desk. And we're actually going to go through these papers together. Um, And so one of the piece of papers that the uh, one woman had was, these are all the activities that we recommend doing with your child over the summer to get ready for second grade, go to a museum, read some books, blah, blah, blah. And so I sort of asked her, what is the action that's associated with this piece of paper? And she said, well, you know, it's kind of silly because I actually already do all of these things every Mm -hmm. summer anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her, so why are you holding onto the piece of paper? Well, I don't know. The school gave it to me and I just thought I should. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but you're already doing all of the actions associated with the piece of paper. And she looked at me like, do you mean I can throw this away? I'm like, yeah, you are allowed to throw that piece of paper away. So I think constantly going back to what is the action associated with this piece of paper? Have I completed the action? And if so, I can let it go. And I think also just letting people know, like, when in doubt, scan. If you're Mm -hmm. really worried that you might need to go back to that information or if it's a piece, you know, if there is information contained on this piece of paper, then scan it and feel free to do that. Um, But I think also that's where kind of like paper doesn't necessarily necessarily spark joy for me, but office supplies do. I could spend my Mm. lifetime in Staples (laughs) looking at Sharpies. So make it more fun. Get those folders that you really like. And those folders are going to be so beautiful. You're not going to want them to be jam-packed with all these ugly papers. So I think having the beautiful office supplies um, that surround your papers can really help you keep it tight and tidy. I'm also a fan of office supplies. Love my pens. Love them. They're sparking joy. Oh, I just found these I pens. Know, I can't wait I to know. get them. They're in my Amazon queue that 
are erasable. Ooh. So like the like those old school oh, ones yeah. that were like not so great, but we used to have in school. Like mm-hmm. I remember doing spelling tests and being able to erase pen. But these are like colorful new generation ones that are like just amazing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I'll test from them you. out. Let you guys know what I think <laughs> when I think of them. But okay. but um, when it, I did have one more question for you around paper, Amanda, because I, I also had some workshops in my area around Kanmari and around decluttering. And there was a woman in one of my workshops who uh, told me how much she does not like the cloud. Um, She's very, the cloud does not spark Mm. joy for her. The cloud scares her. She is uncomfortable with things being in a digital form, either in the cloud or on her computer. Um, So uh, what have you run into that similar situation where there's resistance around transitioning things to digital form? And and how do you uh, kind of adjust uh, to that situation. Yeah, it's interesting. Most of my clients have been all in on mm-hmm. this idea of the cloud. So I haven't, some of the the older clients that I have, I have a couple of clients that are in their 70s and they have felt a little bit more resistance about, resistance about it. Um, and so I think that's probably a muscle I need to stretch a little bit more to when people aren't um, aren't familiar as familiar with or as interested in doing the cloud, how can you set up some really simple, you know, paper management systems for them? I mean, I think the book really provides some really great guidance around that, uh, that, you know, there should be such a high bar for, even if you're not using the cloud, there should be a really, really high bar for a piece of paper that you need to keep. And then I think for people to also remember that so much of what they need um, already lives online. So bank statements. And so, you know, I have clients that have kept, you know, bank statements dating back to the 1990s and just really encouraging them that, or asking them questions like, when was the last time you had to reference this bank statement from 95? <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, and so I'd sort of try to compare for them. You know, you're going to spend hours now trying to set up the perfect, perfect filing system for all of these papers when the reality is, is that you know, you're probably never Mm going to have to reference these. So really trying to compare for them Mm -hmm. the time that they're spending to actually file the papers versus the actual need of the paper. But it's a great question and something I Mm -hmm. I think I want to learn a lot more about. Awesome. And you did mention you scan things with your phone. Just uh, wanted to clarify, is that is, do you take a picture or do you use certain apps um, that to, to get that information to the cloud? <laughs> yeah. So you can do, so Dropbox, for example, is a really great um, service. So I have a Dropbox that I use and you can scan right into Dropbox using the Dropbox Dropbox app. And what's really great about these types of apps is that they have really cool recognition features. So if you set, you know, the white piece of paper on, you know, your kitchen table or a dark background, it automatically recognizes as a, as a document. Um, and so Dropbox has a really great scanner. You just need the app on your phone. Um, Evernote also has a really great scanner. The great thing about Evernote too is that if you have the premium service, which I think is maybe around $7 a month, uh, you can scan business cards and it actually mm-hmm. lifts all the business card information. And even they find the person on LinkedIn. They even ask you, do you want to connect with them on LinkedIn? It's really cool. Uh, so Evernote, um, again, you would have that app on your phone. And then Google Drive, again, you could just scan right into Google Drive onto the phone. So I usually ask my clients, are you already using one of these three options? Um, 
And if so, we'll just kind of go in all in on that option. But then there's other um, apps like there's Tiny Scan and Genius Scan uh, that are also just sort of standalone scanners that mm-hmm. you can then scan something and then decide where you want to put it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. I'm a huge Dropbox fan. And until this mm. very moment, I didn't realize there was a way to scan into Dropbox. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah and I great. love Dropbox yeah. and Google Drive. Those are probably the two I use the most. Um, but I've been scanning outside of those using a cam scan or, or um, it's an app. Um, and I use that. For, there's a business card version of that as well. Um, but I want to test out the other two now <laughs> and see if maybe, yeah. maybe it can switch. Dropbox is a little, yeah, Dropbox is a little easier to scan right into Dropbox. Uh, Google Drive is a little clunkier. You have to sort of scan and then tell it where you want it to go. So it has a couple more steps mm-hmm. than Dropbox. So Dropbox is definitely my preference. But if you're all in on Google mm-hmm. Drive, then, you know, that's definitely an option too. Cool. Very great. So one of the things that we always ask, especially with our Kanmai consultant um, folks that we have as guests, what is your favorite tidying tip? Yeah. So for me, I'm all about keeping things bite-sized. So the great thing about Kamari is that you can break things down into chunks. People always mm-hmm. talk about tidying being very overwhelming, which is why they hire us. Uh, <laughs> but if it is something that you are doing on your own, or even for my clients, when I give them homework in between sessions, I just tell them, set a timer for one hour and dive into one category. So, you know, the great thing about the Kamari categories is they can all be so easily broken down. So you can break it down into office supplies or spices or bath towels or first aid. So set that timer, dive in on into one sort of bite-sized category, take a little break, set the timer again if you're still kind of feeling in the zone. So that's mm-hmm. my favorite tidying tip. Make things bite-sized. Nice. And also what at this very moment in time is sparking the most joy in your life? Oh, so the thing I'm so excited about, and I'm actually, I think after, right after I get off with you guys, I'm going to order my first one is something called chat books. I don't mm. know if you guys have heard of chat no, books. I oh, you're going to love it. It's so KonMari. Their, their slogan is actually photo books for people who don't have time to do photo books. <laughs> so it's a very, it's kind of a very minimalist photo book where, um, you can kind of set it up on autopilot. Like I have it set it up right now where every time I favorite a photo in my phone, it automatically uploads it to my mm. chat book. And once you get to 60, it says, okay, you've got 60 photos. You want to make your chat book. And so it prints out this really lovely tiny square. I think it's like six by six um, photo book where it's basically just like one photo per page and you can like maybe decide if you want to add the date or maybe a little caption, Um, but it's very minimalistic. And um, the one that I'm ordering now, it's like the Rifle Paper Company is the cover. So it's these beautiful like spark joy covers. So it's great because you're using the four Ds. So you're delegating the making of this photo book to Mm -hmm. them and you're way diminishing the work because you're not doing all this crazy formatting and all that kind of stuff. So I'm ordering my first one today and I'm super excited. Wow, it's so cool. That sounds really <laughs> good. Yeah. So we'll definitely uh, include a link to that in the show notes as well. So to connect with Amanda, visit indigoorganizing.com and follow her on Instagram at indigo underscore organizing. You can also visit her blog to download her worksheet, Getting from Stress to Joy with the 4Gs. We will also link this in our show notes. 
So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kamari has impacted your life. You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show. You can also join the discussion on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari Consultant Community.